Welcome back. This is a very special episode of Unleashed and Unhinged with, of course, myself in Shivers. But we've got my partner in crime, Dominic, home with us today from Canine Caregivers. And we'll be breaking down all kinds of things as time goes on together for these little bonus episodes. If you want to learn more, go to caninecaregivers.com.au and you'll see all of our resources right there. But let's just dive straight into the episode. talking about relationships and connection so how to build that not how to but what kind of constitutes a bond like you know how, how there's some healthy ways to build a bond with your dog and there's some ways that you can simply fuck it up well yes um i think hey seven <laughs> um I think what we need to understand is what does each individual have as their prerequisites for a bond with their dog? Like what are the things that the human is looking for from that dog? Well, there's no solid answer for that because no, it, it, it's all of us are individual. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it is for the dog too. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, yeah. Because essentially, right, you bring a dog into your life and this is something that we talk about a lot. It's, you're trying to build a relationship, but it's like a really, really long lasting blind day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that the other side didn't choose to be on. Yeah, a hostage yeah. blind day. <laughs> um, blind day might be a bit generous. <laughs> Yeah, it is a bit of a hostage situation. You know, a classroom, say. Yeah. You know, the kids have to go into a classroom. The teacher has to teach the class. Now, she's not going to, or he, my apologies for any gender discrimination there, uh, they are not going to choose who they bond with specifically. Over a period of time, they will form a relationship with some students and some May not, depending on what they are. But I think when it comes to dogs, what we have to think about is what are what are our expectations when we first get that dog to build that initial relationship. So we talk about when we first get dogs and what are the important things that we need to guide that dog into or with. Yeah. And I think that's really where the, where the relationship starts. So if when we get a dog, we bring them in and we keep their world nice and small, no matter whether it's a puppy or a rescue dog um, or wherever the, the, the dog might have come from, understanding that it's a completely new environment for that dog and dependent on the, the dog's personality, you might get, you know, that bomb-proof dog that just throws themselves into every situation, which, you know, there are some of those out there and that's great. But what we have to look at is when we bring these dogs into our home, what is it that we see when, when they first walk in? You know, do we see them that they're really, 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 really overexcited and then we think, oh, wow, you, you, you want to 
play and you want to go for walks and you want to do, you know, high energy stuff? Or do we see a, a, a dog that walks in and shuts down or is, is in shutdown from wherever they came from? How we then navigate that first few days, I think, um, is where the connection and bond starts from. Yeah. That was really long, but... No, no, it made sense. Like, when I... Yeah, like, when, when we're bringing the dog into the home, like, no matter where my, the dog starts, like, from one of the scale of the really explosive, excitable behaviour or the really introvert kind of occlusive behaviour, it doesn't really matter where they are. What I'm trying to get to is a place of stability mm-hmm. and content and just... That feeling of like, oh, shit, that's nice. You know, <laughs> that feeling. Mm. And because if we stay at either end of the spectrum for too long, it's not reality. Or it, or it could be a very unhealthy reality. Mm. But, that, but that sense of like, oh, yes, this is nice. This is where I feel like I am at ease with... The world and you that's the goal in my opinion and that can't, that can't happen no matter I, I honestly believe and know like i fell in love with emma the first time i made eye contact with her mm. right but that doesn't mean that she was gonna love you back well, no, she didn't <laughs> right but um it also didn't mean that uh, we didn't have so much learning to do about each other to actually form a healthy relationship and live together happily. Mm. Um, and that, I, I've said for a long time that the foundation of trust is listening to the other one. Like it's, you, you're allowed to have your opinions and say your piece, but you also need to truly respect the other individual's opinion and most importantly, listen to and respond appropriately to what their preferences are too. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you don't, what we do as humans, and we've all done it or still do it, is we don't talk to listen. We, when we're Sorry, in a conversation, <laughs> shut up. When we're in conversation, we don't have a, a, a dialogue to, to hear and listen. Yeah. A lot of times, and I know I've done it myself, I'm just talking. So I will hear something someone might say, and I might just then tell them what I feel and my opinions, but I'm not really stopping and thinking about what that person has said. Mm. Dogs are different. You know, what I will be listening to what they're saying and then responding accordingly for them. So when in that situation when we first bring dogs into our home, we need to listen and respond accordingly as opposed to, you know, going, okay, well, now I need to teach you this and now I need to teach you that, which can then create that frustration where they're not doing the, yeah. they're doing the, yeah, because... There's, there's now more pressure on them or they're, they're more frustrated or they're more anxious or, you know, insert feeling here. We're obviously, when we've 
brought a dog into our life. Like, we are the ones that have kind of already made that commitment in our head, right? We're like, it's you. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and from this moment forward, it's me and you, mate. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean the dog signed up to it yet. Mm-hmm. And something I'll see a lot is uh, somebody will, like, try too hard to, to bond with somebody. And then... And it almost comes across like they're actually just a bit annoying and needy. And maybe you actually just need to just take a step back and allow them to come to you. Mm-hmm. And it's in doing that, what I'm actually saying is you need to listen to what the dog is saying. They're asking for space. And when you afford them the opportunity to have that space, they're going to see you through a new lens and go, oh, he heard me. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not a dick. Mm-hmm. What's this guy about now? And it engages in a dialogue. And you have to be then, like, learn from the next time they approach you. If they were backing away because you put your hand in their space or because you got made, like, giddy noises or touched them in the place that they thought was inappropriate, don't repeat that. <laughs> But I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, you know, we we make that decision when we get a dog. I'm committing to you. Mm. Some people more than others. <laughs> um, so we've already got our heart in it and we already have that, oh, my God, they're going to love me and mm. we're going to go on these long walks and we're going to do this, that and the other thing. And then when we get the dog, we can sometimes just not see what's in front of us mm. because we've got rose-coloured glasses on and we're going, oh, my God. And all these projections of where you want to be yep. rather than respecting where you are. Yep. This is what it's, it's going to be amazing. Mm. I mean, I had a relationship like that. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, you know, we, we do all of this and it's not until we start to see symptoms of us not listening. Mm. That we then go, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, I didn't see that before until someone says, well, actually, they were saying they did this in this situation. They did that in that situation. But because we are not looking at them from a place of relationship building, so Mm. building that bridge of trust in the beginning, we're, we're just so excited. We need to be standing back as if we are just meeting someone in a relationship for the first time and putting our hand out and going, hi, yeah. I'm Dom, I'm here to listen, whatever you need, as long as you tell me, I will do whatever I can if possible to, to, to facilitate those needs. And that is, as you said, that is how you build that foundation of a relationship because it doesn't start with, us just deciding I'm going to bring you home, which I've come across so often and I'm sure you have where you walk into a home and, you know, things are not working 
and the caregiver's like, but I give you a nice home and I love you and I feed you the best food and I take you on walks and I do all of this. So if you buy someone shiny things, it doesn't mean you're not you're still not being a dick. Like there's times when you might be being a dick but buying nice shiny things. Well buying nice shiny things just put a band, puts a band-aid and doesn't actually go, hang on, something's wrong here. What do I need to do to help you? Yeah. It's, you know, just here you go, shut up and take a cake. So like something that I would you know, uh, I'll ask. I, I don't know. I'm gonna. It is a question, but I'm probably not gonna word it like a question. <laughs> okay. Uh, food and relationships with dogs, right? Personally, I don't use it that much when I'm trying to get somebody to bond with a dog. I, I want to. Well, one, I don't want the dog to come towards me if it, for food if it doesn't want to actually come towards me. But two, I feel like by putting that separate entity in there, the third part, the trunk of the food, you kind of get hung up on the food instead of listening to the dog. Mm. There's a question in there somewhere, I'm sure. How do you feel? <laughs> You're right. I agree with you because, and I, in, when I first started training, I used food all the time. Every time. Food would be in my hand. My food, my food constantly smelled like hands. <laughs> my hands constantly smelled like food. Uh, it is a, it's a, using food to reinforce behaviours, yeah. fine. But we do... Sometimes, and I do spell this out for caregivers yeah. of when you, unless you are teaching a new behavior where luring is part of it, um, you are not presenting food in the beginning. Mm. You can have it, but it's not to be, I have food, so now what? Yeah. And then the dog does something whether or not it's what the caregiver is, is expecting or asking for is irrelevant. The dog's like, okay, there's something. So I will then do a behaviour that has worked for me before to access that food, mm -hmm. which is, is still learning in a, in a context of, of, of there's food, but it's not relationship building because the dog is responding purely to the side of the food mm. rather than asking the dog, can you do this? And asking, not commanding. And mm. if they do, dude, well done. Thank you. Yeah, well, Thank you very you. much for that. Yeah. So like, uh, Emma says to me, hey, we're going to go out with this person for dinner. And I'm like, I don't like that person. In my gut, I'm like, mm. person sucks. Then Emma goes, well, we're going to go to this restaurant. And I'm like, that's my favourite restaurant. We can go to dinner at my favourite restaurant mm -hmm. and I can still walk away not liking that person. Yeah. And there's a good chance that I'll probably walk away from that restaurant and go, next time we go, and can we go either me and you or I'll just go alone mm. or I'll go with somebody I like. But it doesn't mean you compare the fa my favourite food in the world with people that I don't like. Mm. And it doesn't make me like them. And I like food. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because, like, there, 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 there's, obviously there's listening to one another. We've mentioned that. There's also just having, there's going to be some individuals, dogs and people, 
that you think are fine, but you actually just don't have that much in common. Mm-hmm. That's also okay, and that sometimes can happen mm-hmm. with the dogs we have in the house. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's going to be a bit sad for people, I get that, but it does happen. It happens quite often, I think, where if I think about a family of four, there's normally at least only one. Maybe two people in that house that are madly in love with that dog. The rest of them, a bit indifferent. Mm. Some people don't like them. Mm. But it's very rare that I've walked into a family household where they've got a dog and all four of them are madly in love. Mm. And I'm just, I'm just uh, passion talking now. <laughs> no, I've walked in, yep, I've walked into homes where there's been six people in the house and only one person likes that dog and they're the person that wanted the dog. Mm. But again, I think that goes back to there are quite a few instances where people, you know, they get puppies and sometimes they don't pick the puppy themselves, the breeder who's picked them, or they don't get to meet the puppy or, you know, there's no, even with with getting a rescue or shelter dog, you don't get to spend much time with that dog before you bring that dog home. So that dog is coming into an environment that it never chose to be in and we don't know what happened before. So how that dog is and what it's obviously not knowingly Mm. expectations because it doesn't sit here and go, so on my checklist for a caregiver, these are the things that I would like. No, you suck, you suck, you suck. Well, I think as well, you know, behind it, there's probably not enough uh, adequate and up-to-date and actually useful information on breeds out there. Yeah. And I mean, it would take somebody to actually look into the breed first before they get a dog, which would be... I'm always amazed. I'm always surprised, pleasantly surprised whenever somebody's told me, oh, yeah, I know a lot about this breed. I'm even more surprised that the information they've read is accurate. Well, look, I think some a lot of people, when they get a dog, I know of my generation... Um, People were choosing off the dog they grew up with, which were generally Border Collies, Kelpies, Cattle Dogs, German Shepherds, mm. right? They were the main dogs. Oh, and well, Stuffies later. But when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, um, <laughs> that they were the dogs that you saw. Or like a, a Rottweiler mix. Mm. So I had a Rough Collie as my first dog. Um and then my second dog was a Rottweiler Kelpie mix from, I don't know, he just appeared in the house one day. And so people have that romantic memory yeah. of, but what people don't realise, and I've had this on so many occasions where I've gone into a home and I've gone, why did you get this breed? I've been talking to, emailing some clients that got a working breed of dog and when I you know, went into the house and they're lovely, lovely people um, and I looked at the the environment this particular working breed is in um, and I, mm, no, you know, this is a, a working breed from working lines. Mm. Um, and I was, you know, why did, why did you pick this breed? Oh, um, my husband grew up with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't think it's suitable because what the needs of this dog, and at the moment they're in talks of, of rehoming the mm. dog because it's, you know, it's, it's not working. But the amount of, oh, you know, the dog that I grew up with, I never had any problems. I'm like, who cared for your dog? I want, where did your dog live? Outside. Did you ever walk it on a leaf? No. It's got completely 
like really nostalgic memory of the dog, but then asking it to live a completely different lifestyle, potentially one. And the danger of that is, of course, that you potentially ask the dog to live a lifestyle that is completely unsuitable for that breed or individual, at least. Yeah. So again, it comes back down to just listening, like, and, and like, because in order to know what that breed uh, or or individual or any anybody needs, you have to actually take a second to stop and ask. <laughs> yeah, just you, stop. You know, just and, and I know I can understand it's, it's so exciting and wonderful, and you know, depending on how long you've wanted the dog when you first bring that dog into the house, but. I think what people sort of need to take a step back and go, what would you do if it was a new housemate? Would you sit down and have the conversation of, okay, so in the house, you know, Ian does the washing up on Monday nights and, you know, Dom cleans the bathroom and Stu does out the back and, you know, when it comes to bills, these are things, how do you feel mm. about that? You know, do you, would you prefer your own fridge? Would you, that I think is what we need to think about is that this is an outer housemate. It is a relationship that we want as close and loving and, and wonderful. But the expectations we hold need to be parked mm. to allow the dog to it's communicate. Of, it's almost like, um, and it is always a balancing act, isn't it? Because there, we, we're never going to move, we're never going to be past the fact that people bring dogs into their lives for emotional reasons too, right? So the dogs do have a emotional function for most of us that bring a dog into our life. Like, yeah. Uh, whether that's a sense of loss, a sense of uncertainty, like we're often, like I think about like when people, situations, when people bring their dogs into their lives, it's like, going through change, maybe they've moved house or gone through a breakup or feeling broody. Um, but essentially it's when something is, a, it always, it always seems to be associated with, I'm going to bring a dog into my life for a sense of stability in a moment of instability, which is potentially the worst time to bring a dog in. But that's the reality of it. And we should, I can't, logically, I'm like, that's dumb. But it happens every single minute of every single day. So, hey, look, how about I don't fight it and go, right, there's this going to be a ladder effect, in my opinion. Like, there's going to be like, okay, we, we do need people to listen to their dogs more and respect the individual in front of you. We also need to accept that we've got our own needs. I feel like, like I was single when I got Django. And I feel like the best thing I ever did before I got Django was really sit down and identify not what I want out of dog. Mm. But what I need, right? So it was like I love, like an example of that, because on a on a surface level, I would potentially want a running buddy. Mm. I love running, go running a lot. But the consequences of getting the dog that was going to be able to keep up with me running would mean I was going to get a really really high energy dog, and then there's all of that other baggage that comes with that. That I'm like, mm. oh wow, no wait, I don't, I don't want that. And so then I go, okay, it's more important to me. Having a running buddy or having a dog that is going to be more comfortable being left alone potentially 
uh, for, sh for durations of time, socially comfortable around dogs, people, children. Um, because there's wants and then there's needs. And, you know, like I was like, I want this, I want this, I want this. But really to feel comfortable in my own skin, I need. I do this all day, every day for a living. Working with dogs that aren't comfortable socially. Mm. And so do I want to do that when I get home? Nah. That was my needs in the end. But actually, I, again, stopping and identifying what do I need from a relationship and working towards that. And it doesn't mean that you know, I wasn't going to force a square peg into a round hole when I got him. Mm. I wasn't going to, if he was antisocial with dogs, I wasn't going to do anything to make that happen. If he didn't want it, I potentially worked on it. Mm. But I also took my time and I think I went into rescue and looked at, well, I know I did a number of dogs and went, ah, oh, this is a nice dog, but he's not mine. Mm. It was hard to walk away. Yeah, I think under identifying um, the difference between wants and needs when it comes to uh, choosing a dog. I remember I worked, um, had these lovely dog walking clients and they got themselves an Aussie Shepherd and they just had a baby or he was about one um and they were really struggling mm. with this dog and that, yeah no uh, the first baby was about one and they were pregnant with the second yeah and we had a conversation i, I don't i sorry i don't think he's the right dog for you why did you get him always wanted one mm. okay i don't think he's suitable yeah. for you uh they talked and they rehomed him to mm. a farm, an actual farm, people. For a working dog. Yeah, no, not the, for, not the farm. Not the farm. Uh, and then they went away and then they came back to me and they said, look, we really, we want to have a dog in the house, but we don't want to go through that pain again. We don't want to get the wrong dog. Will you help us choose? I went, absolutely. So I want you to go away and write a list of five breeds. Mm. I'll go away and I'll write a list of five breeds myself and then, you know, we'll meet up and we'll compare. So theirs was, can't remember many of them, Staffy, um, Big Pug or something. Anyway, I can't remember. Mine was Greyhound, 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 Greyhound. Oh. <laughs> because she was about to have her second child. Mm. Her husband worked full time. They lived in an apartment with a little courtyard. The amount of time that they could actually walk the dog was minimal. The dog came out with me three times a week. Um, they wouldn't have time to work with a puppy. Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't. It didn't work first time. Not to say it wouldn't work again with another breed, but the time that they would have yeah. to, to work with this dog. Um, and at the time, I had a friend who used to work with Greyhound Rescue. I said, this is, when, that, when I showed them, they went, uh, no, like, too big, you know, couch potatoes. When you go away, think about it, come back to me. I went and spoke, spoke to my friend, said, look, I've got these lovely people. I've got a one-year-old, pregnant with the second one. Do you have 
any dog's life that would suit. Not young, not too old, kind of, you know, middle range. She goes, leave it with me, I'll go away and I'll think about it. Anyway, they came back and said, yeah, well, we'll try it out. Mm-hmm. They went out and met my friend. My friend picked this female, four-year-old, not an ex-racer. So this dog lived in the tra- trainer's house, never raced. Mm. Social with dogs, great with people, great to be left alone, just amazing. And they went and met her a few times and then adopted her. Mm. That was seven, eight years ago. They still have her. Nice. And they just went, this, we didn't know that this is what we should have been looking for. Mm. She sleeps all day. She's wonderful with the kids. When she has enough, she just gets up and she moves. Just like the perfect dog. Nice. But they never, ever thought imagined or thought about a greyhound no and they wouldn't that a greyhound wouldn't be the dog that i would suggest or a rescue greyhound for everyone no but also i had the luxury of having my friend who knows dogs yeah and when i said you're she goes i won't rehome to anyone i don't think i don't see that there is a connection and they went out and they met her and went okay went (laughs) home and like they met her a few times before they took home So when they took her home, like within within a week, she was falling asleep on the couch and happy. Like she just integrated herself into into mm. the house, her whole really well. So understanding that you know having that ability, and I suppose when we look at things like you know breeders, rescues, having the affordance to go and make build that a connection with the dog. Yes. So walk into a rescue and go, okay, look, I, this I, is what I'm looking for. Yeah. And then, like, you you know, you told Sydney Cats and they looked, were keeping an eye out for a dog like Django. You went and met him and, and you went awesome. Yeah. Right? So having someone else who's a professional but also that affordance to go, okay, I'm going to come and meet you and spend some time with you and see if there's going to be that connection. It, it, it is something we, we're going to spend a lot of time together. It should yeah. be done on impulse, right? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like when I met Django, it was impulsive in the sense that it was right, and it felt right. Mm. So in that sense, I was impulsive. I was like, yeah, but that's because I had set that time and had the systems in place so that I could make that decision quickly when the right opportunity came. Mm. So I wasn't necessarily impulsive in the bigger picture. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, you know, think about you go to buy a car, you're going to have a car for a long time. Mm. It was car shopping at the weekend, too. Yeah. Got into a few, test drove them, and something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. Get into the last one we tried that day, felt right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was that felt wrong about the others. I found out that I was driving ex-rentals. Ah. But my brain couldn't, didn't have the information necessary to know what was wrong. Mm. But my gut knew that it wasn't right. Anyways, right, we're gonna leave it there, guys. You are all legends, and we will see you all soon. Thank you, see ya. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. 
If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.